The scripture reading for this morning is going to be from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, verses 28 through 36. About eight days after Jesus said these things, he took Peter, John, and James and went up on a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes flashed white like lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, were talking with him. They were clothed with heavenly splendor and spoke about Jesus' departure, which he would achieve in Jerusalem. Peter and those with him were almost overcome by sleep, but they managed to stay awake and saw his glory as well as the two men with him. As the two men were about to leave Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it's good that we're here. We should construct three shrines, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But he didn't know what he was saying. Peter was still speaking when a cloud overshadowed them. As they entered the cloud, they were overcome with awe. Then a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. Even as the voice spoke, Jesus was found alone. They were speechless and at the time told no one what they had seen. The word of God for the people of God. Amen. Thanks be to God. I want to thank all our Boy Scouts for being here today. You guys are doing a great job. And you know what? It's hard to get up in front of a room full of people when you're not as old as all of those people in the room. And and some of these Boy Scouts don't attend church here, and so they don't even necessarily know you. So be sure that you guys go up to them and you tell them you're proud of them and their leaders. Find their leaders and tell them thank you for giving their time and their love to these boys so that they can be strong young men who are able to come up here and pray and read and, and, and do other kind of leadership things in life. So we're grateful for you guys this morning. Um, well, today we're wrapping up our series on our wonderfully weird words. And like you've heard already, we're talking about the transfiguration. And it is just a weird moment. I mean, really, let's just be honest. It's one of those other kinds of moments in scripture. Um, It's very cool. Um, We heard from Luke's account this morning, but actually you will find this account of the transfiguration in Matthew, Mark, and Luke's gospels. Those gospels, here's another weird word for you, those are called synoptic gospels because the synopsis, their story, they have similar kinds of things that they share, similar themes. John kind of took a different uh, route and doesn't share some of the same things that they do. But Matthew, Mark, and Luke, each of them share the account of the transfiguration. And so here's what went, went on. Jesus goes up the mountain with three of his closest disciples, Peter and John and James. The, the appearance of his face changed. His clothes even became dazzling white. There was a cloud that descended from the mountain out of that cloud. Matthew describes it as a bright cloud. The voice of God spoke. We know that to be God the Father. He spoke, affirming Jesus as his son. And in Matthew's gospel, it's also recorded that at the sound of that voice coming from the cloud, Peter, John, and James hit the ground overwhelmed with fear. Now, 
If you were here the week we talked about the weird combo word, Shekinah glory, this should have a familiar ring to it. Because that week we were in Exodus 34 and we talked about how Moses had a similar experience with God's Shekinah glory. Now just for your refresher, Shekinah means the dwelling presence of God and glory is just the visible manifestation of his holiness. Moses was up on a mountain, a cloud descended onto the mountain, the voice of God spoke from the cloud, Moses was overwhelmed and he hit the ground. And when Moses came down after being in the Shekinah glory of God, what was going on with him? Do you remember? His face was shining. His face was shining because he was reflecting the glory of God. Well, in the gospel accounts, Jesus' face was shining. Not because he was reflecting the glory of God. It was his glory. It was his, his Shekinah was showing, right? His glory was showing. It was his. Um, it was as if for Peter, John, and James, a veil was being lifted for a moment. And, and those three friends of Jesus were given greater insight into his true identity. That he is the Son of God. That he is very God himself. But what was so important about the transfiguration? I mean, why is that important for us? Why was it so, so important for Peter, John, and James to see that? Well, to answer that, we need to go backwards just a little bit. Um, prior to this moment on the mountain, Jesus had been teaching all of his disciples um, about the greater reality that existed in God's kingdom. That there was something bigger about God's kingdom than what they had previously been able to comprehend or picture it as or understand. That it wasn't a physical kingdom like they had thought. But it was a kingdom where the sick were healed. It was a kingdom where the dead were given new life. It was a kingdom where outcasts were redeemed and, and given home and restored to community. Where there was forgiveness, where there was redemption. A restored people brought back into the family of God. It was a kingdom where there was new heaven and new earth. It was good news. But, again... It was very different from what they'd had in mind, which again was this physical kingdom where Jesus would reign as king sitting on a throne in Jerusalem. It was Israel, in their minds, Israel freed from Roman oppression and really freed from the oppression of any other nation. So what I want you to hold on to about this is this, that their eyes were being opened slowly by Jesus through his teaching and through his ministry to a greater reality, a reality that was bigger than, than their little corner of the world. It was bigger than them. It was bigger than their concepts and their understanding. Also, up to this point in Jesus' ministry, even though there were plenty of religious leaders who were opposed to Jesus and they wanted him out of the picture, he really annoyed them, Jesus still had a lot of popularity with the people. Great crowds followed him. Ministry 
was successful. And I have to think that the disciples were feeling pretty good about being connected with Jesus. That they were feeling pretty good about being in on that inner circle and getting to be a part of all of the excitement and all of the praise and all the things that were going on. I mean, they had left a lot. They had given away a lot. But I wonder if the popularity that was swirling around Jesus made it easier for them to follow him. But about one week before Peter, John, and James witnessed Jesus' glory up on this mountain, Jesus takes his disciples apart and he asks them this question, who do people say that I am? And their answer was like, you know, people aren't really sure who you are. Some people are saying you're John the Baptist and Elijah or some other prophet that's died, he's come back. I mean, people just are not sure who you are. And so Jesus looks right at his disciples and he says, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Peter answers for the group. He says, you're the Messiah. You are the one sent from God who will save us. You are the Messiah. I mean, it was a huge affirmation. It was this really high moment. And then Jesus goes and tells them something that I am not sure they were entirely expecting because he tells them that he must be rejected by the religious leaders and that he must be killed and on the third day raised. And if that were not shocking enough, he goes on to tell them that if any want to be my followers, let them take up their cross daily, deny themselves, and come and follow me. What happened to popularity? What happened to the crowds following you and shouting your name and praising you. What does this mean for you? What does this mean for me as someone who's, who's connected with you? So you see, once again, Jesus was opening their eyes to a greater reality. They wouldn't fully understand it until after the resurrection, but the seeds were being planted that the way Jesus was going to accomplish redemption for the world was not through popularity and acceptance. It was through being despised and rejected. He was the suffering servant that the prophet Isaiah had talked about who would take upon himself the sins of the world, but then he would deal sin and death a final death blow when he rose from the dead, freeing his children from the power that those things would seek to have over them. That was the greater work that Christ had come to accomplish. It was the greater reality then it was greater than what his disciples had understood. And he needed them to get with him on that. So we come to this moment of the transfiguration on the mountain. And I can't help but wonder if Peter, James, and John just had swirling around in their heads and in their hearts. Like a lot of confusion, a lot of fear, a lot of doubt about Everything that Jesus had just told them about what would happen to him and what it would mean for them. But they're up on this mountain and they are given 
a glimpse again of this greater reality of who Jesus was, of God the Father affirming in their presence for them to see and hear his son, his identity, just affirming Jesus, them seeing Jesus in his glory, getting that greater glimpse of an existence, a reality that was always true about Jesus, but one that they couldn't always see or perceive. But they needed that assurance. They needed that assurance for what was to come. And you know what? We need that assurance because the life of faith means that I am believing and I am trusting in many times a reality that, that is not always clear and it is not always easy to see. We need those moments of glory. We need glory revealed to us. And the beautiful thing is, is that God is, is willing and he is ready to, to give us those visions of glory, to lift the veil for us so that we can see there is a greater reality going on behind the scenes on our behalf than we could ever even comprehend. And look, for us, it, it's probably not going to look like going up on a mountain and seeing Jesus glow and having a conversation with Moses and Elijah. It's probably not going to look that way for us. But it, it would probably look something like you reading your Bible... And suddenly, a scripture or a passage speaks right into your situation or it comes into your heart in a way where you know beyond a doubt that God is speaking to you, that God is present with you, that God sees you and he cares about you. It, it might look like or sound like thunder coming over your head in the middle of worship when you're talking about God's glory. It might, it might look more like here you are, you're praying and you're just crying out to God with tears and you don't even have the right words and you don't know what to say. But God gives you this assurance when his spirit speaks to your spirit. And again, you know that you are seen and he is present, that you are heard. And you are loved. It could be even more dramatic than that. Like my friend Jonathan, who was struggling with his addiction, his drug addiction. And he found himself yet again sitting in a pit of sin and shame and drug abuse, having lost his family and slowly killing himself with all these drugs that he was just pushing into his body. And he told me that one night, he was in this dirty, dark, dank, filthy house, surrounded by people who were doing all the same kind of things that he was. And suddenly, the old hymns that he had grown up singing in church started rolling in his head, like playing right in his ear. And... The words to those hymns were all about God's love and God's grace and God's forgiveness 
and God's power. Over and over again, he said they were just singing in my head. The veil was being lifted for my friend. God was reaching down to him in the middle of that dark, nasty place. Reaching in, giving him a glimpse of his glory, of a greater reality that was available to him if he would just respond. And I'm happy to say that he did respond and his life changed as a result. You know, we walk by faith and not by sight, but praise God, there are times when he will lift that veil for us so that we can see a glimpse of him and we can be let in on that greater reality that is going on, all that stuff for us, for our benefit on our behalf that we may not even be aware of because of whatever reason, how we've blocked it out or everything is just swirling around in our lives and it's just hard to see. But he will break in through that and give us the assurance and the strength we need to press on and just keep going. Peter, John, and James, they needed that assurance if they were going to be the leaders Christ had called them to be called them to be. And you know, it was a tough road. Things got really hard, really bad, really fast. But you know what? Each of them became pillars in the church. And their words in scripture still speak to us today, inspiring us, giving us strength, and giving us hope. Because they put their confidence in a greater reality. Okay, I want to show you something else about this transfiguration moment that I really love. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they each share about the cloud coming down and the voice of God speaking out of the cloud. This is my son. Listen to him. Listen to him, right? But only Matthew includes the fact that when that voice was coming down over them out of the cloud, that the three of them hit the ground. They just hit the ground and they were overwhelmed with fear. Now, we can understand that because we've already talked about how when we're in the presence of God's holiness like that, we come near to him that it's overwhelming because like I see clearly who I am and I see clearly who he is and those things don't jive together in the same space, right? And it brings this sense of awe and fear and we hit the ground, right? So this is what's happened to them and they're They're terrified. But Matthew tells us that Jesus comes over to them and he touches them. And look, the first thing they hear after God the Father has told them directly, listen to him, listen to my son. The first thing they hear Jesus say to them is get up and do not be afraid. That's cool. Get up. Fear has no power over you. You are not walking alone. Get up. We are going down this mountain. We are going back down into the chaos and the pain and the confusion 
and the sickness. You know, they come down that mountain. The first thing Jesus is encountered with is a boy who's possessed by a demon. We're going down this mountain. Do not be afraid. You have nothing to fear because you have seen and you know who I am. I don't think we can hear this too much. Do not be afraid. Whatever you are anxious about, will you listen to the voice of your Savior who says, do not be afraid. Whatever bad news you've heard, listen to his voice. Do not be afraid. Whatever loss you're experiencing, do not be afraid. Whatever new calling God may have on your life, or new thing he is, he is stretching you towards, he is calling you to do, and it's terrifying to you, do not be afraid. Whatever sin you need to confess, whatever apology you need to make, or change you need to make in your life, do not be afraid. Get up. Fear has no power over you. You are not walking alone. So if you have some anxiety or some fears that are hanging on to you or some doubts maybe that, that are tripping you up, let me just encourage you this way. Do not be afraid to ask God for a glimpse of his glory. Don't be afraid to say, God, I need to see you. I need a glimpse of more of you. I need to see how you're working in this. I need to know you're here. I need to know you're in control. I need to know you're with me. Don't be afraid to ask him for that. God delights in revealing himself to his children. And he does it in a beautiful mixture of ways. So have your eyes open and ready to see how God will lift that veil for you and show you that he's there. And once you've been renewed and strengthened by that, that glimpse, then you can come back down that mountain just like Jesus did, just like Peter and John and James were able to do. Come down, yes, where sin is, where sorrow is, where sickness is, where hurt is, where unbelief lives, all of that stuff. But you can be men and women of faith who are partnered with Christ, who are strengthened by him to come into this world and light the darkness, lessen the suffering of others, be a bringer of hope into the world. Be a witness of strength and trust by the way you live your life, no matter what you're going through. Because, see, we know, we know there's a greater reality. There's a greater reality than our circumstances, than whatever this life would bring. There is more going on, and we put our trust there. So last week, Bruce took us to Revelation 19 for a glimpse into the hallelujahs, those, those praises that are being sung to God. Um, 
in heaven, what they look and what they sound like. Um, today, I want to close by taking us to Revelation 21, 1 through 5. This is a glimpse into a greater reality that awaits us. This was a lifting of the veil. It was a glimpse that was given to John, the same John that was up on that mountain with Peter and James who saw Jesus' glory revealed. So may this remind us of the hope and the greater reality that we have in Christ. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will deliver them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Friends, he's got this. He's got this. Do not be afraid. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you've got this. You've got us. You hold us. Lord, we are in the palm of your hand. You will never leave us. You will never forsake us. We have victory in you. We have strength because of you. We can do more than we think we can because of you. Thank you, Lord, for giving us glimpses of your glory. May we not be afraid to ask for them. May we seek those. Let's ask confidently, Lord, show yourself to me. Reveal yourself to me. I need to see you. And then, Lord, open our eyes so we can see and we can walk in confidence and strength. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for your word this morning. In your name we pray, amen.